The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... An update from the Federal Communications Commission, and ACB passes two resolutions related to that update. Welcome to ACB Reports for November 2017. Thanks largely to the 21st Century Telecommunications and Video Accessibility Act, various disability issues are being addressed by the Federal Communications Commission. Will Shell is an attorney advisor in the Disability Rights Office at the FCC. He addressed the annual conference of the American Council of the Blind during its meeting in Reno, Nevada on July 2nd. The issues mentioned during his presentation have since been acted upon by the FCC. My name is Will Shell. I'm a blind attorney at the Disability Rights Office of the FCC, and I have some good news. But before I get into the good news, I want to say that the Disability Rights Office and the FCC in general, we have various rules regarding accessibility requirements for TVs, telephones, and other devices that use advanced communication services for playing video programming. For example, telecommunication devices have to be accessible. They have to be compatible with accessibility uh, devices like braille displays. They have to be usable. They have to be usable in, in that you, you can actually read the user manual in an accessible format if you're inclined enough to read the user manual of a telephone. We have rules that require captioning on TV and on the internet. We have rules that require text messaging and email and instant messaging be accessible. We have rules that require internet browsers on mobile phones be accessible. We have rules that require that emergency information on television and on mobile phones be accessible. So. We have a whole bunch of rules and there's always kind of interesting and new updates and progress being made on all of those rules plus many more. And uh, I wanted to mention that a great way to kind of follow the FCC's disability work is on our listserv, which you can write to and ask to subscribe. It's at accessinfo at FCC.gov. So for some of the good news, our office does more than just promulgate rules for accessibility. We also administer the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program. I think some people call it I Can Connect, but uh, I call it the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program. That's a $10 million a year program that distributes telecommunication equipment to people who are low income and who are deafblind. It helps them gain access to the communication network. The National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program started as a pilot program July 1st, 2012, and has operated as a pilot program since then. Well, as of July 1st, uh, the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program has become a permanent program. Right. 
Well, more good news. Let's talk about emergency information. So, if you are blind and watching television, and you hear that emergency information noise, it's different for different channels and things, but it's generally a beep, beep, beep type of a noise, uh, you may want to turn on the secondary audio stream. The secondary audio stream, that is the one that plays Spanish or sometimes described video. Well, that secondary audio stream also reads out loud the emergency information which is scrolling along the bottom of the screen. I don't have to tell you that sometimes this information is important. Well, the good news is that starting on July 10th, cable and satellite and fiber TV services will be required to pass through the secondary audio stream containing the audible emergency information when they permit their customers to watch regular television programming on a second screen device. That is, blind and visually impaired customers should have access to the same emergency information that is presented visually. And just because we have all now started watching television on our smartphones and tablets doesn't mean that we should be left out of the critical emergency information. So this rule requires that the Cable and satellite companies send that emergency information onto the device that you're watching television on, um, the second screen as we are calling it. Now, I should just add a little bit of extra information. This rule is not applicable to watching television on your smartphone when you're in the Starbucks. This rule is applicable to watching television on your second screen device over the cable or satellite company's network or broadband network that they're also providing you. So it's over their own network, generally to say. You should also keep in mind that there must be a simple and easy to use mechanism to turn on the secondary audio stream. I have some more good news. But before I touch on that, I want to remind everyone about the FCC's rules that came out about six months ago that require set-top boxes to be accessible and devices that play video programming to be accessible. So in this context, we're talking about accessible user interfaces for people who are blind or visually impaired. We're talking about people who are blind or visually impaired being able to operate and use all or nearly all of the functions of a device, such as the settings, menus, the other menus, the channel selection, start, stop, fast forward, all the, all the other uh, you know, generalized video playback controls. Most of this is accomplished through a speech synthesizer. I just want to mention these rules have separate requirements for cable and satellite and fiber TV services, and there are separate requirements for all of the other video playback devices. So let me just start with the cable, satellite, and fiber TV services. If you're a cable or satellite or fiber TV subscriber of one of the top 14 cable and satellite companies, they must provide you with an accessible set-top box 
to uh, blind or visually impaired customers right now. All other cable and satellite companies, besides the top 14, all others have to provide an accessible set-top box by December 20th, 2018. If a blind and visually impaired customer requests an accessible set-top box, the cable company has to provide it at no additional charge. So if you're paying $100 a month and you request an accessible set-top box, your bill should continue to be $100 no matter if they have to provide you with sophisticated equipment or take some sort of heroic measures to get you the accessible set-top box. They have to make it generally easy to get. They have to have an accessible website which lists how you can speak to someone to find out more information. That person has to be able to explain how to get one of these devices, and there has to be someone to explain how to actually operate the accessible functions on these devices. Over the last six months, I've been receiving complaints about the accessible set-top boxes, and things are getting better. I, I just want to mention the cable companies do have some flexibility in how they achieve accessible user interfaces. Some companies have set-top boxes. Others have an accessible tablet app that will control the set-top box. And others have a different add-on device. They're allowed to do this, but at the end of the day, it has to be usable. Now, if you're unsure if your cable or satellite company's accessible solution meets our rules, you should give me a call. Or you can file a complaint with my office. The other set of accessible user interface rules covers any device that plays video programming. These are things like TVs and smart TVs and tablets and smartphones and removable media players, which are those things like an Apple TV or Roku or an Amazon Fire Stick. These rules also apply to the accessibility of computers that play video programming, which is almost all computers. But also things that you may not expect, like my favorite example, I'm looking for the smart refrigerator that can play video programming, because if it can play video programming, it has to have accessibility features built into it, as per our rules. Also, you should know that the rear entertainment systems in all of the new cars that are coming out, those headrests that are in the back, those have to have accessible features built into them so that whoever utilizing that rear entertainment system can operate the video programming on it. So the accessibility rules apply to these devices and to any pre-installed apps or video players that come with the device. It also applies to apps or players that a user is directed to download from the manufacturer or the seller. The accessibility rules are not applicable to just any old app that you can find on the App Store, but many of these devices come with hundreds of apps pre-installed on them. These devices must be accessible when they are manufactured on or after December 20th, 2016. So they are starting to show up now. The manufacturing process is starting to deliver these manufactured devices. And you can find accessible TVs from multiple manufacturers right now in the store. Just the store that everyone goes to. These aren't special disability-related products. These are the products that are showing up in the technology uh, retail stores. You can find accessible DVD players. 
most of these, as I was saying, are not some sort of special disability device. They're, they're just in there. But you should check with the manufacturer, get on their website, try to find out, you know, do some research ahead of time because they're not required to make every single device accessible. They are required to have a broader range of accessibility. So I always like to emphasize that you know, television and telecommunications equipment and stuff like that, it's not, it's not a trivial matter. You know, blind people watch just as much video programming as non-blind people do. We pay significant amounts of money for these devices and for the subscription services uh, like the TV. And, you know, TV and video programming is inextricably intertwined with our society and culture. Now, all of these devices, as I've said, and I'm going to just keep saying it, all of these devices must have a simple and easy-to-use mechanism to turn on and off the secondary audio stream, like a button or a key or an icon. And if you cannot turn on the secondary audio stream quickly, you will not be able to listen to the emergency information announcement. If you cannot turn on and off the secondary audio stream you won't be able to listen to the described video. And that's what my other good news is. Right now, the FCC has a rule which requires that the most popular channels provide described video on the secondary audio stream. This is an audience that I can pretty much be assured knows what described video is. But just in case you're not familiar, <laughs> described video is audio narrated descriptions of a television program's key visual elements. These short verbal descriptions of action or key visual scenes in a program, such as the setting costumes and facial expressions, are provided to add context. And the descriptions are inserted into the pauses of the program's dialogue. And normally, you listen to the descriptions by turning on the secondary audio stream. Our rules right now require that local TV station affiliates of ABC and CBS, Fox and NBC, in the top 60 TV markets, they're required to have 50 hours per quarter, per calendar quarter, of video-described primetime or children's programming. And that's also the case for the top five non-broadcast networks, which is Disney Channel, History channel, TBS, TNT, and USA. They also have to have 50 hours per quarter of video-described primetime or children's programming. The good news is that the FCC has scheduled a vote on whether to expand the amount of hours of video description. The vote is scheduled... I know. Wait, wait, wait to hear this. The vote is scheduled for July 13th. Yeah. <laughs> And if the item is passed, the amount of described video will increase by 75%. That will bring the amount of described video up from 50 hours per quarter for each network to 87 and a half hours per quarter for each network. And I should mention that if you would like to comment on this item, that is about to be voted on, you can go to fcc.gov slash ECFS. Make sure to comment on docket number 11-43. fcc.gov 
slash ECFS. That is our um, Federal Communication Commission's um, commenting portal. The docket number is 11-43. Thank you very much. We're going to recognize for a resolution on that very topic. Mark Reichert, our Resolutions Committee Chair. So, Mark, take it away. Well, good morning, folks. Mark Reichert, thank you so much. And by the way, if you don't think resolutions matter, uh, you need to have your head examined. Uh, this organization and several of us worked very, very hard with the FCC to make sure that they actually hired some staff for the first time with some blindness expertise when we're dealing with all of these issues in the CVAA. And lo and behold, we have an incarnation of your resolutions work in the form of Will Chell. So let's congratulate him for his work. Will, we're not saying that you owe your job to us, but we're glad that you're there. We really, really are. Uh, and thank you so much, the FCC, for responding. We have two resolutions. The first one is on listings of audio description. And if you all adopt this sucker, this will be 201701. Whereas the multiplicity of TV programming delivery methods available today, along with the growth in the number of markets where audio-described television programming is available, has the potential to exponentially increase the demand for audio description. And whereas for this anticipated increased demand to be satisfied, consumers of described television must have a convenient and reliable means for browsing among and selecting audio-described programming. And whereas, at this time, other than the manually gathered American Council of the Blind's audio description project website listing, there is no reliable automated digital listing fed by the broadcast and non-broadcast networks that electronic program guides can incorporate to provide consumers with timely and accurate notice of all available audio-described programming. And whereas such a listing would better enable set-top boxes to provide consumers with ready access to audio description via meaningful electronic program guides. And whereas for well over a decade there has been a commitment to ensure that all closed caption programs are appropriately listed in electronic program guides. Now therefore be it resolved that this organization strongly urges the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to exercise all appropriate authority to require the broadcast and non-broadcast networks to establish and or join an automated digital listing of all available audio-described programming. And be it further resolved that the FCC monitor such listings on an ongoing basis for quality assurance and to ensure that such listings provide consumers of audio-described programming with a level of service equal to that provided today to consumers of closed-caption television. Okay, the I'll Resolutions Committee recommends a due pass, and I so move. Second. All those in favor, say aye. Aye. All opposed. The resolution has passed. The discussion continued with the adoption of a second resolution, which was also directed to the FCC. Mr. Chair, this will be, if you, this body acts on it, 2017-02.
Whereas current law, as provided by the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, CVAA, requires only a small number of television networks to carry a few hours of audio-described programming per quarter, amounting to a fraction of all TV programming available today. And whereas nearly 100% of all available TV programming is currently closed-captioned, while only a tiny proportion of programming is currently being described. And whereas, instead of creating new audio-described material, a number of old programs and movies are simply being repeated by certain networks. And whereas the CBAA authorizes the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, to incrementally increase the number of hours of audio-described programming from the current level of 50 hours per calendar quarter up to 87.5 hours a quarter for each of the mandated broadcast and non-broadcast networks. And whereas at long last the FCC has finally announced that commissioners will vote on a proposal to mandate such an incremental increase in the number of required described TV hours at its July 13, 27 public meeting. And whereas the more than 24.7 million Americans who live with significant vision loss today continue to impatiently wait for the long overdue day when audio description is available for each and every television program. Now, therefore, be it resolved that this organization strongly urges each of the commissioners of the Federal Communications Commission to order an increase in the total number of required hours of audio description up to the CVAA's allowable statutory maximum and we recommend a due pass exclamation point and I so move. We'll let you know what all the those in favor room. say aye. aye. All opposed. And the resolution is adopted. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You have just heard Will Shell from the Disability Rights Office at the Federal Communications Commission and ACB Resolutions Committee Chairman Mark Reichert. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.